Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers Now, which is brought to you daily by Hugh Porter and the staff at Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. I, I joked with uh, Tyson Berry yesterday that I'd only spent the last five years, uh, you know, hoping to find a, a way to see him in an Edmonton Oilers jersey. I think Hugh Porter is right there uh, with me on that one. Uh, we'll bring in David Staples momentarily from the Cult of Hockey on a River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. You can keep texting us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors ready for your kids pregame warm-up and providing winning results for 35 years. I've got to get to some texts very quickly that made me laugh. Uh, Bob, Brian Lawton is an awesome guest. Keep him here on the show. That comes to us from Terry. Uh... And the Rocket says, as you know, some of the best deals are the ones that don't pan out. Dodge the bullet. He's obviously referring uh, to the Jacob Markstrom uh, contract. And Jason from the thriving uh, metropolis known as Sangudo says, after Brian Lawton's segment today, Bob, I'm canceling my vacation plans to Buffalo. So there you have it. Well, you know what? When you're when you work in the National Hockey League and you're privileged around, you've actually there's nothing, Jason. I, and I, I read your text, and you're a funny guy, and I get what you're saying. But when you work in the league, there's nothing for me uh, more trite than the the writers, many of whom don't actually travel. This is this is what you need to realize: is uh, the economy has changed in terms of who's actually on the road. So you have, I, I recall, and, and this guy's now with Sportsnet, but I recall a guy raiding NHL cities, and he'd never actually been to Edmonton. So he sat there and took a shot at Edmonton as, you know, saying it's the least desirable place. And this may have occurred even before Winnipeg had returned to the NHL. There's 
you know, hey, is Edmonton and Winnipeg and Buffalo as sexy as New York or Chicago or even Montreal? Well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, Brian Burke has talked about the changing political climate making Canadian markets potentially more attractive. The Oilers also have McDavid and Dreisaitl. They also have a brand new building. And I think you'd be surprised about the amount of players that would be interested in playing here. And maybe we've mentioned them over the last three weeks to five weeks on this show. I think that some things are changing, but I never like dissing other communities and other markets. If you've never been to Pittsburgh, you don't know what you're missing. It's a beautiful city. It's a really cool city. Philadelphia, a lot of you grew up Philadelphia fans in the 70s. Nowhere near, in my opinion, as nice a city to visit as uh, Philadelphia. Boston, there's a lot of smart alecks in Boston that take shots at other markets. Some of those guys don't travel. Boston, to me, not as attractive as some people make it out. Just personal observation. Great. I mean, they've had a really good team for a number of years. Let's bring in David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Because, David, some have said you're an aggregator. Uh, You are a guy that uh, notices this sort of thing when people take shots at uh, at cities and markets, and sometimes you've taken guys to issue on it, and sometimes some people have said you've made mountains out of molehills. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I have fun with Elliot Friedman on the Toronto thing. How do you change the light bulb? You hold it there and have the rest of Canada revolve around Toronto. But that's usually specific to Elliot, and I do think there's uh, – it's funny how, I mean, Sportsnet had a, a personality a couple of years ago Take a, a do a tweet about how McDavid wouldn't want to stay, a young guy, like a guy in his 20s that hadn't been out west that much. And it was just, I always find this kind of stuff interesting, but when you're privileged enough to travel around the league, there's some cities that I might like, like it's hard not to like Chicago. And frankly, it's hard not to like Montreal as a hockey city. You don't have to like the politics in Quebec. Today there's a story in Quebec about uh, one of the bordering communities, David, that want to have check stops from people from Ontario going into Quebec. And I'm thinking to myself, and this is because of COVID, and I'm thinking, well, wait a sec here. We kind of know what the numbers are in Quebec versus all the other provinces. That, that's a pretty interesting perspective for somebody from Quebec to be casting aspersions on somebody from Ontario on. So, I don't know. Give me your take on all this stuff. Well, it's a little hard for, like, even though so I don't travel to all these cities, you do, and I think that's a huge piece of knowledge that you would have about these cities. And I hear, you know, I've, I've read rave reviews of Pittsburgh. Yes. So um, what you're surpri- saying about the city isn't surprising. But the other factor is to think about is we don't know the lifestyle of NHL hockey players anymore. Like, they're so separated from, in terms of their, how much money they make from what you and I make and what other people make. They live in this whole different world. Yeah. Um, they, so they're, when they go to these cities, they're accessing a different lifestyle than any of us can really know about. You know, we, we know that for, for Canadians, you know, the quality of life for the average Canadian is way better than for the average American because we have these great public schools and great public health care. But the, the players are kind of existing at a different level. So when McDavid needs treatment for his leg, he's not getting the average treatment in Canada. He's getting all of this specialized treatment that I'm sure he's paying a lot for and the team's paying a lot for. So it's kind of hard for us to judge what the players want. We can go by, though, Tyson Berry picking the Oilers, um, Taylor Hall. There's, all, you know, there's another rumor from Chris Stevenson that's come out about Hall maybe wanting to play uh, 
in Edmonton one day, and that's been such a persistent rumor. There's got to be some smoke Chris, to the fire. Chris, was that Chris Johnson or Chris Stevenson? I thought it was Chris Stevenson. Okay. Or was it Johnson? Okay. Maybe you're it right, might, Bob. It might, it might have been Johnson, yeah. I might have the name wrong, but there's so all these players seem to want to play here, and that's no surprise because they wanted to play in Detroit, which I have been to, and Detroit and Edmonton are, <laughs> Edmonton's a nicer city than Detroit, and players wanted to go to Detroit, though, because when they were winning, you know, they all wanted to be there. Hosa took a, a value contract to be there for a year because they were winning, so when Edmonton starts to win, and that's going to happen this coming year, Edmonton's going to definitely be a winning team as they were last year. Um, players will want to come here. And, uh, yeah, and I, I am a, a, an aggregator. I call myself a completionist. I like to know every little fact about the Oilers and to amplify it and comment on it. So that's my own obsession. Okay. Well, I'll give you an example of a city that some people give a bad rap to, but players that play there love it, and that is St. Louis. Okay, some people like if you go, we stay uh, at, at the. I'm not going to name the hotel, but we stay right next to Bush Stadium. Okay, and but the problem is we're playing there in the winter, and the baseball team isn't there, and it's unbelievable during baseball season. And for the listeners that are maybe not the biggest baseball fans, historically the Cardinals have been an organization that's drafted and developed really well. They haven't been a big spender in free agency, and they've had some players stay there upwards. I mean, Stan Musial played the entire, his entire career there. But the players that have played in St. Louis live in the suburbs, and it's a wonderful city. We have been to St. Louis when the Oilers have been there when the Ferguson riots were taking place. So, you know, you're, you're, and, and you're not that you're scared as a five foot 11, 230, 40 pound Canadian guy that's, that's on a, you know what I'm saying? Like, not, not 50 and 60. But anyhow, I digress. Like, you know what? But every, everybody I talk to, the guys, and, and I see, you can find attractive parts to every community that you go to. Like in Ottawa, David, we don't stay in downtown Ottawa. We stay way out at Brook Street. And uh-huh. it wrecks the experience for the players because we're in the middle of nowhere. I, you know, I went with, it, with AJ Jakubic a number of years ago to uh, go see uh, Travis Konechny play, and then checked out downtown Ottawa after it was gorgeous. And I'm like, why are we not staying in downtown Ottawa, right? Like, you know what I mean? It is so, a beautiful town. I lived there for four years, went to university there. Yeah. And we, we sure know that Lauren Pronger liked St. Louis more than she liked Edmonton. And, and but this is, you know. It, as far as Edmonton goes, I think what Cates has done with the Arena District, and I know not everyone's a big fan of Daryl Cates, but what has happened down there with the Arena District and the Marriott Hotel and their private residences there, a lot of players living there, I think for when young players come here, this can be a very attractive place if the team is good because downtown is starting to happen a little bit more. Um, you can live right by the arena in a, in a great high-rise apartment building, and a lot of them do now. Um, so I think that's going to help Edmonton in terms of attracting players here and, and keeping them. Because once you, you get part of the Oiler family, I think you can keep it together if you're willing to pay comparable money. That's something Pocklington didn't do, wasn't able to do in the late 1980s, but it's something that Cates is prepared to do now. So there's a chance that you could assemble a good team here and also keep it together over time. Well, uh, and again, I, I think Jason Greger would probably tell you this, and he's got a—he's known Taylor Hall for years. Jason Strudwick works on that show with him. They're former teammates. Um, you mentioned Taylor. I mean, I absolutely believe that Taylor Hall would 
you know, Edmonton would merit serious consideration for him in a long-term deal. I, I believe that. And why wouldn't he? Because he's a smart guy and sees that Drysaddle and McDavid are the, the top two centers. And, and I, I'm saying that as a guy that hopes the Oilers re-sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins, too. I believe in whenever 2021 free agency is, the Oilers will add another top six forward in free agency. On t- regardless, of, like, they'll get... I think they'll find a way to get Nugent Hopkins done, and I still think there will be the cap space there to add another top six guy. So whether it's a Gallagher or Hall or whoever that they end up at, and I think that's coming. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked far enough ahead to know. I just know those guys are, you know, Hall's on a one-year deal and Gallagher's in the last year of his deal. So, all right, let's get to, uh, and and I personally believe Edmonton's more, even it's different now than it was three years ago for the Oilers. Part of it's the emergence of Dreisaitl. It's an, he's another star player down the middle. That's attractive to guys around the league. Aren't you a little allergic, Bob? Like I, I like Gator Hall as a player, and I like Gallagher as players right now. And in, through their twenties, they were good. But I, maybe just the experience of you know all the terrible contracts the Oilers have signed with people in their thirties or entering their thirties. I'm allergic a little bit allergic to those contracts and even even for like even Taylor Hall on a seven-year dealer deal or Gallagher Nugent Hopkins um, you know I, I I'm a little more open to Nugent Hopkins I see his game aging pretty well because he's such a smart player and a great skater but I'm just I'm I, I agree with the texter who who talked about Markstrom's contract I also believe that the Oilers dodged a bullet there I'm not convinced that two years from now Three years from now, Calgary's not going to have an incredible sense of buyer's remorse there uh, with the Markstrom deal. And to me, I I'm, I'm, would prefer that the Oilers just go with Koskinen Smith um, and see how that goes. And you can always bring in another goalie on a one- or two-year deal down the road rather than being stuck with a guy who uh-huh. at age 32 isn't worth it anymore. Well, it's interesting because the orders got pounded when they brought Smith back. Like, I saw yeah. the stuff on Twitter, and, I mean, there's a couple guys I know pretty well, and they're not dumb guys, and they were relentlessly hammering Edmonton for bringing Smith back. And I mean, that's a goaltender that the coach likes, and he's on a one-year deal. And the number is fair. And people say, well, why didn't you get him at 900000 Do you actually think a guy that's – like, there might come a point where maybe it's, you know – <laughs> and I hate to sound like people say, but for some guys, they made enough in their careers. Maybe they don't come back for 900K. Maybe you do have to get to at least a modicum of a number that makes sense, especially since you know that a lot of that's going to be shaved because of the shortness of the season. So uh, I'm actually surprised you feel this way. Like, I, like I, I'm not surprised that you're concerned about the length of Markstrom's deal. I'm surprised that you were okay with the short. Because for me, I got it. I understood where they're coming from. Like, well, you, would you have done? To, put it this way: If you couldn't, have, would you have? Is it better off to have Smith and Barry, or to have Crawford and not have to have Crawford or to have Grice and not have Barry? Well, it's obviously better off to have Barry and Smith on a deal where he earns about one million a year. But so I think that was an overpay. I think that they paid too much for Mike Smith. But on the other hand, Bob. Last year, when we were heading into the Oilers' season, Miko Koskinen, to me, was a big unknown about whether he could be a starting goal in the NHL. Well, he came in and he answered that question. He was middle of the pack as a starting goalie in the NHL, right, in, right smack dab in the middle, save percentage-wise. I think it's 9.17. Markstrom was 9.18, save percentage. And everyone uh, thinks that, Cal- you know, many people think, oh, Calgary did so well signing this guy. Well, he had a season very similar to Miko Koskinen's season. So I'm 
per- perfectly content and much more content than I was last year because you know Koskinen is going to be okay. He's going to get the job done. Smith, well, I, I'm not thrilled with that, but on the other hand, I'm really happy with the Forsberg, Anton Forsberg signing because he's a solid, very solid minor league goalie, and if Smith can't get it done, they can go with Forsberg this year because I think he could have like a – you can count on him to have like a 9.05 to 9.10 save percentage, I believe, in the NHL. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to say the least. Tyson Berry, you know, it's interesting. I know you monitor that. That was universally praised in terms of the Oilers getting them. They get a break there, do you think? Well, Oilers fans went from like it was a roller coaster ride all, all the whole time, yes. and people just were ecstatic. I don't think I've seen the Oilogosphere Oilers fans on Twitter united in praise so much as with the Berry signing, and yes. That's fantastic because it does sound like he took a, a, a discount to come to Edmonton to improve his, to, you know, to put up, have a big year and see how things go here and maybe find a place on this team. And Tyson Berry um, is is an elite offensive defenseman in the NHL. He's not an elite defenseman because of his uh, defensive play, but he's an elite attacker. And Bob, you and I were talking about this. The Oilers' puck moving had to get better. It had I, to yeah. get better. And now they, they could go with six puck moving defensemen if they want wanted to and six really good ones if they wanted to i mean if you if you're willing to go uh with bouchard and broberg in the lineup and you have tyson barry added in and if cleft bombs healthy and you add in jones and bear and nurse you have seven guys who can move the puck and the owners haven't had that since when you know like 1990 <laughs> yeah. like this is fantastic i think because they they i thought that was a huge need this puck moving d thing and they've cracked that code David, in fairness, the 08-09 defense, and it wasn't healthy the entire year. Yeah. Surrey had Surrey had 20 goals and 50 points. Gilbert had 45 points. Uh, Grabishkov, who could really stretch the puck up the ice, had 39 points, went plus 12. Vishnovsky, who could hammer it, you know, had multiple 40-plus point seasons. He had 31 that year. I don't even think he played 55 games. And Schmied was, like, in their third pairing. Like, they had a... They, they had a decent puck-moving transition D at that time. They just didn't have the horses up front. So, it, that, relative, that wasn't a bad group, I agree. You know, and, and they were in it until three or four games left. The team this year would have made the playoffs, and that's I, I guess that's kind of the, the tricky situation. Like, I look at the overall body of work, and I thought it was pretty decent. And I like the fact that there weren't any long-term bets. And I know that uh, Kurt Levins wrote about this on your site, Cult of Hockey, on his nine things, and he sort of documented, uh, and I brought it up on the show before, too, just what occurred between 2013 and 16. And that's the difference between Barry or, it was on a one-year deal, but that's, it, just say a hypothetical of the Oilers long-term, a guy like Haller Gallagher next year, pen, guys that are pending UFAs. Um, those guys are higher caliber players than a Ference or a Fane or a Pouliot. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. you know, we, we know how, I mean, it, 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 and I guess that's part of the thing. Don't buy average. That, that's why I look at Vegas and I, I go, part of me is like, well, he, he's kind of upsetting the apple cart on his team, but he keeps trying to make his team better too, and he's getting elite when he's and when you get trade, trade for Mark Stone and sign him or, you know, sign – a guy like Petrangelo, it's kind of hard to argue because he's getting difference makers in those positions. It is a tough balance. So if you're bringing in Peter Angelo, it's different, isn't it, than bringing in, like even Tory Krug, right, I don't think is in the same class. So I'd be much no. more worried in St. Louis about that deal. And, you know, and, and Justin Falk, who they signed long-term, you know, they, I just think they really blew it by not 
locking up Peter Angelo, and, and now they have to go with those other guys. So the question you have to ask yourself is Taylor Hall – uh, the next Marion Hosa is he a guy that can help you win a couple Stanley Cups, three, you know, two or three Stanley Cups, or is he is he going to be something else which, which isn't quite that? And if he if you are convinced he's Marion Hosa, then you sign him to the long term deal and you take your lumps, you take your chances because you're you're making that final move to win the cup. And and we'll we'll know more about Hall after this season. I, I'm just not convinced that he is Hosa personally, so I have a bit of trepidation there. How many MVPs did Marion Hosa win? Well, yeah. How many great years has Taylor Hall had, and how many great years did Hosa have? Is is what I would say, and I, and and I think they're similar enough that you can you can have that debate, and we'll know more a year from now about it. But um, I'd say it right at this point in their careers, probably Hosa by the age of twenty nine, twenty eight, it was a, had a slightly more success than Hall, but it would be close. Uh, okay, I'll look it up here. Well, he had had a 92 and 100 point season with Atlanta in 0506, 0607. Let's not forget, 0506 was the highest scoring league in the year in the last several years because of all those power plays. Yeah, but he had he, like, like you, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I don't think people saw Marion Hosts as a winner in Atlanta. Then he got traded to Pittsburgh in 08 and they lost to. Uh, Detroit. Then he went to Detroit for 08-09, and they lost to Pittsburgh, and then he finally got his cup in Chicago. He got his cup in Chicago in 2009-2010, so he would have been 31 at the time that he won his first Stanley Cup. No, 30. He, Yeah, he was 30 when he won his first cup. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a, you know what, the, David? That's a, that's a good debate because Hosa obviously is a heck of a player. Uh, so the bottom line is overall assessment on the Oilers' body of work and the assessment of the fans and the response you got on the Cult Hockey website. I think Ken Holland, uh, we ran a poll actually, Bob, and about 3,000 people replied, and I think about 85% of them had graded him as an A or a B. Um, give, so that's a, that's a pretty high grade for Ken Holland. And I, so I think people were really happy with Pugliarvi coming back, yep. the patience that Ken Holland showed. They were, they were ecstatic with Tyson Berry. Uh, there was a small group of people who were less ex- happy about tourists, the tourist signing, but most people were pretty happy about that. Some people who were, you know, you know, put a lot of weight in on ice analytics would have preferred uh, Miko Koivu or some player like that. I personally am a little worried, like would have been worried with Koivu because of his lack of foot speed and declining offensive game. You know, he just doesn't put up any points at all to speak of. He's right in the Riley Shea category now, and Turris is in a different category. Um, and then the Smith contract was a downer for, for the vast majority of fans. But I, I think as, as you think through it, if Koskinen can play 66% of the games, two-thirds of the games, um, then it's not as big a deal the fact that Smith like, might not be – he isn't what he was before. So maybe they did it for team chemistry. Maybe they did it for reasons that um, that aren't apparent in the numbers with Mike Smith. And the team did win a lot. They won a good percentage of games when Mike Smith was in that, and I do think his puck moving is a underrated asset that helps the team cut down on shots against. It helps the team move the puck out of their end quicker. So the numbers are a little bit misleading uh, with Smith, perhaps. So David, overall, just, Bob, people were happy. Final thing, just on the Hosa Hall thing. In fairness to Hosa, he was more consistent. I mean, 23, yeah. 23 years old, 45 goals, 80 points, 24 goals, 30, or sorry, 24-year-old year, 36 goals, 82 points. Lockout, 
when he was 25. 26, 39 goals, 92 points, almost identical numbers to the numbers Hall had when he won the MVP. And then 06, 07 in Atlanta, uh, 43 goals, 100 points. Again, 05, 06 was a particularly high-scoring lead. Uh, there was a disproportionate amount of five-on-threes. David, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Bob. Uh, I will get to some of the texts coming up. Excuse me, a little bit later on on Oilers Now. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Pine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Do want to mention that uh, the Oilers injury report all season brought to you by Jim Brown, Trent Brown, and the games uh, and the gang at James H. Brown injury lawyers and uh, Brendan already provided a bit of the numbers and some of those guys from Boston sounds like uh, they might be a little light at the start of the year with a couple of their top players uh, here involving the likes of Brad Marchand and David Pasternak off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell back with uh, John Shannon who's going to tell us about a special event that he's at today this is Oilers Now Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 630 Chad